at Mitchell and Webb Sound, starring David Mitchell and Robert Webb with Olivia Coleman and James Bartman. And now on Radio 4, Nature Notes with Nathan Knight. Hello. Later on the programme, Lionel Kellaway will be teaching us how to tell weasels apart. And we'll be asking, mongooses or mongeese? Just what is the plural? <laughs> but first, birds. We've all seen them and we've all heard their chirpy little songs. But do we really understand what they're saying? No, we don't. <laughs> or at least we didn't. But that's all changed with the groundbreaking invention of Dr. Simon Spreading from the Zoological Faculty at Warwick University, who joins me now. Hello. Dr. Spreading, tell us about your invention. Well, for centuries, men have wondered about the secrets of birdsong. I've done all that. Just tell us about your invention. Oh. <laughs> well, it's this device here. You simply play the birdsong into this horn. Tell us how it works. Yes. You play the birdsong into this horn here. And the machine translates it into English. Well, that's wonderful. And do you have some samples with you today? I have some samples with me today. Super. Let's hear some. Well, to start with an easy one, here is the song of a group of sparrows. That's lovely. Yes, and this, roughly, is what it means in human terms. We are the sparrows, we are the sparrows, the cabbages, the boofters, the blue tits again. We are the sparrows and we will. OK! I see. Well, of course, sparrows aren't famed for their song. What about something like the nightingale? Yeah, yes, I think I have a nightingale recording here. Now, that is truly beautiful. Isn't it? Yes. Now, that translates roughly as this. Get the hell out of my tree. <laughs> this here tree belongs to me. And as done since last Friday week, so unless you want to punch up the beak, get the hell out of my tree. Fluck off! <laughs> Right, right. So is all birdsong this aggressive? Oh, no, not at all. Those, those are both territorial cries, you see. But birds also create beautiful love songs, like this one. And what does that mean? I'm not a robin, I'm a sex machine. <laughs> Looking for some loving, if you know what I mean. So... For a cue, all you Lady Robins, and let's get down to some Bob Bob Bobbin. Hello, are you a pensioner who still unbelievably hasn't got a bank account, but draws their pension in cash from a post office and then keeps it in a mattress? <laughs> well, why not? Pension books are comforting, aren't they? And they remind you of rationing and when things were audible. <laughs> But do you realise how many post offices get violently held up every year because of the cash they have to process for you? And how many pensioners get beaten up in their own homes by drug addicts who are incensed to discover that all the cash is in one-pound notes? <laughs> well, it's loads. And we at the government have decided we'd had enough of it, whatever you think. So from almost immediately, in a baffling way, everything's changing, keep up, keep up, we'll be switching the way we pay pensions and putting the money into bank accounts, like everything else in the world has been for ages and ages now. We know this might seem like quite a lot to take on board all at once, but it isn't. Just get a bank account, that's it, just get one, that's an order. Direct credit pensions, making life easier for pensioners. For more information, just log on to www.payingyoustrain.gov.uk forward slash pensions. Oh, Sonia, th this is a friend of mine, Henry. Hi. 
Hi, nice to meet you. The pleasure's mine. So, Henry, what do you do for a living? Well, let's just say I'm a civil servant. <laughs> Why are you? Put it this way, I work for Her Majesty the Queen. Right, so you are then. <laughs> I suppose, in a funny sort of way, I am. Yeah. <laughs> right, so which department? I'm afraid I can't tell you that. Why, is it secret? I'm certainly not saying it's a secret. <laughs> what is it then? I can't tell you. So it's not a secret, but you can't tell me what it is. You catch on fast, little lady. I like that. You'd go far in the service. The civil service. If you like to call it that. I've had enough of this. <laughs> Matt, come over here a minute. Yes? Henry won't tell me where he works. I would if I could, but... The uh... Vehicle Licensing Centre in Swansea. <laughs> Is that true? Well, if that's what you want to believe. I don't want to believe anything. I just wondered where you work, that's all. Well, in that case, yes. I certainly work for the Vehicle Licensing Centre. That's where I work. Oh, yes, and no mistake. Right. Thank you. Is it interesting work? How would I know? I'm a spy. I'm a spy. Go to bed with me. I'm a spy. You're not a very good spy. No, but I am very keen. <laughs> Hello, Road Rescue. Oh, can you help me? I'm on the M40 and my car's broken down. Has it? Oh, no. Well, that's not what you want, is it? That's the opposite of what a car's for. That's the very thing that a car manufacturer lulls you into thinking will not happen. You've given that car your trust, and now it has betrayed that trust, and you feel used and trampled upon. Yeah, well, could you send someone soon, because I'm late for a meeting? Oh, please. Late as well? That's worse. Yeah. It's for a job interview. Oh, no! That's the last thing you want to be late for, isn't it? That's not going to make a very good impression. They're going to be sitting there, looking at their watches, tapping their fingers on the table, thinking she might at least have made the effort to be on time on this of all occasions. Yeah, well, could... Which is catch-22, because it was probably your lack of employment that allowed your car to get in a bad state of repair in the first place. <laughs> this job was your last hope, wasn't it, madam? Yes, so can you send someone? Well, did you press zero to speak to a real person? Yes. Ah, oh, well, if you pressed one, you'd have got through to a computer who'd have sent out a mechanic. You press zero to speak to a real person. So, do you like jazz? <laughs> Hi, Robert. Thanks for coming round. It's just I know what a whiz you are with computers, and I'm having a bit of a problem with the internet. You got a broadband connection recently, didn't you? Yeah, that's the problem. Is it not working? Actually, it's sort of working too well. What do you mean? Well, you know how broadband's really quick and you can download things without really thinking? Well, there was this button and I double-clicked it and before I knew it, I downloaded the internet. Well, that's... <laughs> All of it. The entire internet. Are you sure? Look at my desktop. See that file called the internet? That's the internet. <laughs> My God, you're not lying. Have you tried opening it? I opened it in Word, 92 billion pages long. <laughs> and most of it was poems about dead pets. How big's your hard disk? One and a half internets. That, that's what sold me on the machine in the first place. So, what do you want me to do? I want you to put it back. I'll get that. You just sit there and don't touch anything. Hello? Mm. Yeah. Uh -huh. oh. Oh, dear. David, that was AOL. <laughs> they want to know what you've done with the internet. Oh, no. 
wait. I've got an idea. Why don't I email it back to them? Yeah, that, that could work. Send it as an attachment. And to be on the safe side, you'd better paste it into the body of the email as well. You're right. OK, new email to AOL. Read the internet. Mm -hmm. CC uh, Bill Gates. He'll probably want a copy. Uh, dear AOL, I have attached the internet. Many apologies. Yours, etc. And there it goes. I'll get it. Hello? Oh, mm -hmm. David, it's AOL again. They, they say they've got the internet, but they can't open the file. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's because I emailed it from a Mac and they're probably using a PC. <laughs> he, he pasted it into the body of the email as well. No, the poems about dead pets are the internet. Not at all. Bye. Well, they say they've copied the internet from your email and put it back. That was lucky. Thanks for your help. Not a problem. Actually, while you're here, you're not any good with video recorders, are you? Why? It's just that last night I set the video to record Jonathan Creek. And when I came home, I realised I'd accidentally recorded all of television. <laughs> oh, and that's a bad miss. Now, what can Stephen Cheng do? He's 42 behind, there's just 54 left on the table. Stephen will be trying to do the maths, but, as you and I both know, Ted, when you've just come back from the 15-minute mid-session interval, you are apt to feel a touch woozy. <laughs> well, that, that's right, Peter. He'll have gone to the bar with only a quarter of an hour to neck three pints, maybe four, and a packet of nuts. And then, professional as he is, he's expected to come straight back out here, which he did without wobbling, although he did sit down sort of on the arm of his chair. <laughs> yes, Ted, he'll be very naturally feeling a little bit burpy, a bit bloated, and the last thing he wants as he gets down to this red is to burp and for a little bit to come up into his mouth. <laughs> because... It's, it's never nice, is it? it? It tastes more acidy when you burp it up than when it goes down. Well, Ted, they do say that it's when you stop being able to tell the difference that it's time to stop. <laughs> what on earth's he doing with that stick? It's the snooker. Oh. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm in room 302 and there doesn't seem to be any hot water. No hot water? In a hotel? You'd expect more than that at home. And you wouldn't have to pay extra. We're supposed to be trying to make you feel comfortable on unfamiliar ground, despite a slight impersonal feel inevitable in this business. And how comfortable are you going to feel when you're all itchy and dirty or shivery and irritable because there's no hot water? Friendless here you may be, homeless, alienated and deracinated. But there's no need for you to lack basic material comforts, good food, shelter, hot water, for you have come to a hotel. Is even that solace to be denied you by strangers? You need to speak to the duty housekeeper. It's her day off. Hi, yeah, yes, lucky old you. It's me again, Jason. They call me the daytime TV Alexander the Great. I've conquered the known world before I'm 30, except for that disastrous stint on Ready, Steady, Cook. Wasn't my fault. I put nut allergy on the form. Anyway, no hard feelings. Welcome to yet another edition of Crap in the Loft. The show... 
where you, the public, get to exchange the bric-a-brac you've got in the attic for dreams come true, usually in the form of blue-collar electrical goods, in my experience. Very few people seem to be able to dream beyond Dixon's. So, I'm in the lovely home of Arthur, who's 62. Would you believe it? What an old man. Hello. And you never married? No. Never find the right girl, Arthur? Well, the right girl was married to the wrong man. Yeah, keep it light, Arthur. I mean, it's your problem, basically. People have, people have tuned in to be entertained. So, we're going to be having a look through some of the old stuff Arthur's been clinging on to for years instead of people to see, if he can, to see if he can exchange some of those old memories, such as they are, for cash. So, Arthur, what are you saving up to buy at your time of life that you could possibly get any joy from? A camcorder. Oh, not again. What for? You've got no-one to film... Oh, right. Is, is this guy... A, he's not on the register, is he? He's going to come back to haunt us. <laughs> so, Arthur, let's see what you've got in the attic. I am dreading this now. Well, I, I've got these pictures of... Kids! <laughs> yes, that's my school football team from 1949. Panic over. Right, no-one wants that, Arthur. What's that? Oh, that, that's a silver tray. It was given to me when I retired. I, I'd oh, that's not. it. It's amazing what you find when you really look. It's usually on the mantelpiece. Arthur's bit of neglected old crap might just be enough to transform Arthur's creepy video dreams into reality. <laughs> we'll just have to find out at the auction. Now, Arthur's load of stuff is the next lot. Let's hope it raises the couple of hundred quid he needs to buy a bad camcorder, with which, in my view, he can only incriminate himself. 180 pounds, 190. Do I hear 200? 200 pounds, sold to the man in the fleece and the reflective vest. Oh, Darren, so obvious. Anyway, yippee! Arthur, it's a dream come true. I'm so happy for you. Are you thrilled? Um, yes. Of course you are. And that's it. Arthur gets his camcorder and someone else gets congratulated for 35 years in the county council records office. <laughs> Crap in the Loft is back next week, or you can catch me tomorrow in Bathroom Nightmares, where we help a young couple out of mildew hell onto the sunlit uplands of basically a new suite and an extractor fan. <laughs> Bye! Thank you so Get much. Get away from me. <laughs> Next week, at the same time on Channel 4, our new reality show, Golden Anniversary Island, where eight couples who've just celebrated their golden wedding anniversaries are tempted apart by the genital antics of sex industry professionals. <laughs> and then straight afterwards on E4, you can catch Golden Anniversary Island's little brother, featuring the divorce proceedings kicked off by last year's Anniversary Island. This week, Cyril and Gwen have trouble dividing up their record collection because of their rheumatic fingers. <laughs> Meanwhile, in 18th century France. I'll tell you what, I'm about sick of this monarchist regime. Really? Yeah, honestly, I'm really fed up with the regime. I'm very, very poor, whereas the ruling class, in particular the royal family, seem to be absolutely rolling in it. And there are times when that really hacks me off. <laughs> well, you should say something. Nah. No, you should. If that's how you feel, you should say something. Uh, I don't think I could. Who should I say something to? I don't know. The king. I can't say something to the king. No, come on. The king has always said, you know, my door is always open for problems, queries. Has he always said that? Yeah, well, it's implied. 
<laughs> so, if you're not happy with the regime, you should definitely say something. Well, I wouldn't know what to say. J- look, just say what you said to me. Hello, Your Majesty. Seems to me the regime is a bit unfair and at times hacks me off. I thought I owed it to you to say something straight away rather than bottle it up. No-one wants to create bad feeling. But I was wondering, could we go for a fairer regime? More even distribution of wealth, possibly a republic. (laughs) I I couldn't say that to the king. Look, uh, what's the worst thing that could happen? He says no. Hello, Your Majesty, can we have a republic now? No, sorry, no, you can't. Thank you for asking. I might bear it in mind. Do you really think that's the worst that could happen? (laughs) Well... I mean, he's not going to kill you. Well, I thought he might. I thought he might kill me. <laughs> You've been reading too I many... I can't read. <laughs> you can't read? You should definitely say something. No, I'm not like that. Well, I will then. What? I'll go and say something if you like. Will you? Yeah, I'll, I'll go now. Now? Yeah, you wait here. I'll be back in a minute. I'll go and say something. Officer, can, can I go in and see the king? Of course. Cheers. <laughs> He is, you know. He's saying something. Thanks for your time. How'd it go? It's a yes. What? He said yes. I said, can we have a republic? He said, yeah, all right. That was a lot easier than I expected. Well, if you don't say something, you know, don't ask, don't get. That was Interpersonal Skills from History, Module 5, Assertiveness. In the next module, how to move on from your mistakes. I told you there were soldiers in that horse. Steve, you are not helping. (laughs) So come in, Graham. Sit down, sit down. I've got some very good news for you, my friend. I think I've sold your novel. Oh, my God, that's fantastic. I don't know what to say. Thank you. Yes, there's a firm that wants to use the characters for an industrial training video. (laughs) Oh, right. What? Yes, and I think I can sell the plot for a series of breakfast cereal adverts. And your prose style has been optioned for the links on an Asian music video channel. And, well, it's probably too early to say for sure, but we might be able to pulp the paper and use it as bulk slurry for sausage rolls. and welcome to Big Talk, where the hugely important is finally given the attention it deserves. I'm Raymond Terrific, and as usual, I've surrounded myself with some of the brainiest guys I've ever met. And that's saying something, because I've met the Queen. (laughs) As usual on Big Talk, we're going to take on some gargantuan topics and clear them up once and for all. First up, it's a biggie, but I refuse to be scared. Is there a god? Leonard! Well, this is an age-old... Answer can't be long as the question, Leonard. Do not show you're working. Well, of course, it's just a matter of... Yes or no? Uh, yes. Great, he shoots, he scores. <laughs> Moving on. What are we going to do about the... Uh, hang, hang on, there isn't a god. What? But he said there was. Yes, but that was just a reflection. Leonard, did you or did you not say there was a god? I did. So has Danielle got some new information or were you playing me like a balalaika? <laughs> No, Come on, boffins! I've already wasted time saying balalaika when drum would do. Let's get to the bottom of this! I think the problem we're having here is that Leonard thinks there's a god and I think there isn't. Oh! You are having a go! <laughs> no, it's just that we respectfully disagree. This is bad news. Can we sort it, boffins? Richard, get into this. Casting vote. I'm agnostic. Oh, make the tea! 
Guys, boffins, we need to know if there's a god. It's important. Well, there is no yes or no answer. What? I can think of two yes or no answers just off the top of my head. <laughs> so, what seems to be the problem? Um, well, Doctor, it's Michael. He's just been looking quite peaky. Well, let's have a look at him. Right, deep breaths. Hasn't the nice doctor got gentle hands? <laughs> and say, ah. Uh... Not you. Well, he seems fine to me. Well, maybe it's me that needs some attention. What's wrong with you? Nothing, that's what I keep saying. What? Well, maybe the nice doctor should examine Mummy, just in case. You could go outside and read the uh, National Geographic again, couldn't you, Michael? While the nice doctor gets Mummy to lie down on these crisp, clean clinical sheets over the firm, unyielding mattress and sorts her out. (laughs) Can we go home? Maybe, as Mummy's not feeling well, the nice doctor could take the afternoon off and give us a lift. I see he's got the keys to a Lexus. The nice doctor's probably got a private practice just down the road. Long hours, there's devotion. Putting career first... Maybe the nice doctor's marriage is falling apart and he just needs someone with less baggage who'll listen to him and not make all those demands. Right. A- anyway, <laughs> Michael, here's a, here's a lollipop and keep an eye Doesn't on Doesn't Mummy get a lollipop as well? Afraid not. Would you like my lollipop, Mummy? It's not the same, Michael, and you know it. <laughs> well, sadly, the rain we had over the weekend has made the river swollen and totally unfishable. But never mind, because Brian's brought me to one of his favourite local spots instead. Now, Brian, tell us a bit about this spot and what we're hoping to catch here today. Well, this is someone's back garden, and I'm hoping we can get ourselves a couple of nice cats. (laughs) Cats, really? Oh, yes. Cats offer excellent sport for the fishermen. They're smarter than your average fish, but they'll still take a bait because they're not expecting food with hooks in. (laughs) Right. So, what kind of tackle do we use? Well, I usually use an artificial tied mouse. Uh, This is a dormouse. I tied myself. Hold on. I've just spotted a big tabby. Where? There, in the ladies' kitchen. Look, look, on the windowsill. Okay, get down. Don't let him see you. Now, I'm just going to get his attention by casting the mouse against the window. Okay, he's seen it and he's on the move. Now, bring it back. And I'm just going to try and place it right by the cat flap. Lovely. There he is. He's sniffing it. He's sniffing it. Come on. Take it. Take it, you big fluffy bugger. (laughs) He's got it. And we're in. Oh, they're excellent vipers, these tabbies. Careful, he's he's heading for the rockery. You'll never get him out of there. It's okay. I've got him. Now, I've just got to keep him away from that shed. Grab the net. Got him. Well done, Brian. Well done. (laughs) Well, it's been a great day here. We've had several tabbies, a Burmese, and even a squirrel. (laughs) We've heard the RSPCA might be on the way, so we've decided to call it a day. Just time for the final weigh-in. If you bring the net over, Brian. And uh, it's just under 58 pounds. Marvellous. Let's put them back. I tell you, there is no more majestic sight for a cat fisherman than to see 15 or so cats running off into the distance, totally terrified, but none the worse for their experience. <laughs> a 
apart from the damage to their mouths and faces from the hooks. Yeah, wonderful. The producers wish to point out that no cats were harmed in the production of this sketch. Professional cat vocal artists were used and were paid with a nice big piece of salmon each. The salmon was harmed. Um, I got these jeans yesterday and I wondered if I could swap them for a different size. Do you mean different size or do you mean larger size? Well, yes, they are a bit tight. Oh, my word! Well, that's not going to do your self-esteem any favours, is it? Don't tell me you walked in here, got them off the peg, didn't even try them on. You've been a 30-inch waist since you were a teenager. You get them home and suddenly, oh, my God, what is that huge roll of sallow flab hanging over the waistband like the excess pastry hanging off an untrimmed pie? Ugh. Well, they're not that bad. Don't apologise. You've got nothing to be ashamed of. Just because time, the old enemy, has crept up on you and turned you into a fat girl, (laughs) it doesn't make you any less of a person. On the contrary... Oh, I realise now that that has come out as a sort of joke, which, believe me, is the last thing I meant to happen. I don't want to laugh at you. Ha ha. Laugh at fatty. That's not what I'm into. (laughs) You've got supermodels, the media, a lifetime of body image conditioning to contend with. You don't need me joining in and saying you're not a real woman. That Callista Flockhart, what an idiot. You're twice the woman she is. No! No, I mean, you're worth your weight. No, let me... Let me not do this again. I just mean you're bigger than all that. No! Oh, the system! Do you see? I'm as trapped as you. I've not been granted the language with which to say you're not fat. Right, so can I change them? No, you need the receipt. <laughs> so, who else shall we invite? Oh, Nehru. We've got to have Nehru. Oh, yeah, Nehru's really good value. Although... What? Well, remember last time, Nehru brought his little mate... Oh, yeah, what's his name? Gandhi, is it? Yeah, that's it, Gandhi. I think he thought it was a toga party. Well, that's putting it nicely. That wasn't a toga, that was homemade pants. (laughs) He told me, I said to him, I'd keep quiet about that if I were you, because they're rubbish. I bet that went down like a cup of cold sick. Oh, yeah. I was just constantly worried that they were going to fall off. Mm. He's pretty easygoing, though. He's not, actually. It's all passive-aggressive with him. Oh, right. Yeah, one of those people who are always saying, oh, don't mind me, I'm no trouble, but in fact everyone's on their best behaviour. Yeah, I mean, Nehru absolutely tiptoes round him. I think he must have a real temper. Well, it's funny you should say that, because remember at Keith's bash, Gandhi was there, sitting in a big, low armchair with his feet apart, so, you know, no-one knew where to look. (laughs) And Susan put some music on. Yeah. Well, it turns out Gandhi doesn't like Phil Collins, so... (laughs) So he puts down the Pringles and starts fasting. He didn't start fasting. (laughs) He did. He started fasting. He said he wasn't going to eat until Susan put Katrina and the waves back on. That Mitchell and Webb sound starred Robert Webb, David Mitchell, Olivia Coleman and James Barkman. It was written by David Mitchell and Robert Webb, Jesse Armstrong and Sam Bain, David Quantic, James Barkman and Mark Evans, John Finnamore and Chris Reddy. And the producer was Gareth Edwards. (laughs) 